Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So today's passage is about the prophet Elijah. Elijah is considered one of the greatest prophets who ever lived and was even predicted by the other prophet Malachi to return just prior to the final judgment day of the Lord. He is well known because he appears not only in the Old Testament, but is also referenced several times in the New Testament. For example, statements are made in the Gospels that John the Baptist was actually Elijah. In fact, the description given of John the Baptist in Matthew and Mark as clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist is very similar to a description given of Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, where a royal messenger describes him as a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. In the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus asked his disciple, who are people thinking he was, or who did people think he was? The prophet Elisha was one of the possibilities the crowd had been discussing. And there's also the story where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a high mountain and was transfigured before them. During this transfiguration, Moses appeared with him along with Elisha. Elijah. Elijah was one of the most powerful and respected prophets to have ever lived. In the time when Elijah was alive, the Hebrew tribes had been split into two kingdoms. A northern kingdom, which retained the name Israel, and then a southern kingdom known as Judah. The, ru the ruler of the northern kingdom, where Elijah was, was named Ahab. And he worshipped a different god they called Baal. He built an altar Baal to Baal and made a religious figure called an Asherah pole which was used in the worship of a Canaanite goddess. And he married Jezebel, the daughter of a foreign king that was also worshiping Baal. Elijah confronted Ahab for worshiping these foreign gods and warned him that the northern kingdom was going to experience an extreme drought as punishment. There would be no rain or even dew on the ground until God told Elijah to pray for the drought to end. The drought caused great suffering. So Ahab hunted for Elijah, thinking that he was the cause of the drought. But Ahab's men were never able to find Elijah. Meanwhile, Queen Jezebel ordered the execution of all the other prophets who served Adonai, the name used by the Hebrew for the one creator God. Only a small number of prophets who had been secretly hidden away survived. After about three years, God told Elijah the drought was about to end, so God directed Elijah to confront Ahab again. When they met this time, Elijah proposed a challenge to Ahab, where he would prove the one true God, known by the Hebrews, was superior to Baal. And he would demonstrate this in front of everyone in the northern kingdom. Ahab agreed and gathered all the prophets of Baal. They met on a mountaintop, 450 prophets of Baal against the single prophet Elijah, in front of all the inhabitants of the northern kingdom. 
The challenge was for a sacrifice to be prepared for Baal and one for Adonai on top of separate piles of wood. The sacrifice that was spontaneously consumed with fire would prove which was the real God. According to biblical narrative, the prophets of Baal went first, dancing frantically for hours and cutting themselves and calling to Baal, but nothing happened. Elijah mocked and teased them as the hours passed, and then later in the afternoon, he finally took his turn. He had assistants pour water in and around the sacrifice that he had prepared. Then he prayed that God would demonstrate God's power to everyone present. God's sacrifice burst into flames in spite of all the water, demonstrating God's superiority to Baal. So the people watching this competition concluded that Baal was a false god, and they executed all the prophets who served Baal. Elijah told Ahab he should return home because it was about to rain. Then he prayed for God to end the drought. Later that day, clouds appeared and it started to rain. When Jezebel learned that the prophets of the God that she worshipped had been executed, she was furious. She sent out words that she would get revenge on Elijah, so he immediately left. This is where we pick up today's passage. Elijah ran for his life out in the wilderness to escape those sent by Jezebel. He left a servant in a nearby town and journeyed deep into the wilderness by himself. He eventually came across a solitary broom tree, a kind of tree that is known for surviving in desolate regions where few other plants can live, and he rested in the shade. He is now completely isolated. As far as he knows, he is the only surviving prophet who worships the one true God known to the Hebrews. There is no one he can call for help. He had done everything God had asked him to do, yet he ended up alone and destitute. He confronted Ahab with the warning of a drought brought on by Ahab's worship of foreign gods. And he experienced Ahab's wrath by being hunted for three years. Later, he faithfully followed God's direction to confront Ahab again and challenged the followers of Baal. He served God by setting up the demonstration of God's power where Baal was shown to be a false god, and he barely made it out of that situation with his own life. Despite all he had done, he had nowhere to go and nothing to look forward to. As far as he was concerned, he was at the end of the road. As he lay there in his misery, he simply wanted to die. He asked God to take his life, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. It's interesting to me that he justifies his reason for dying by saying he is no better than his ancestors. Was this a realization that came to him in the midst of his suffering? Did he previously believe that he was better than his ancestors? He may have received this message of superiority from others around him, since he did have a unique connection with God and was able to do things that others could not. But now he finds himself powerless and out of options. Being humbled like this can leave us feeling even more defeated. 
with nothing else to do, he lies down and goes to sleep. Suddenly, he was awakened by an angel who gave him food and water. Perhaps it was just a short time of rest, but perhaps it was much more. There are times when we push ourselves to exhaustion and lie down for a brief nap, only to find that we actually had been sleeping for many hours. It seems like when we were awakened immediately after closing our eyes, when in reality we had been in a deep sleep for a long time. After his brief snack, Elijah drifts back to sleep, only to be awakened a second time by the angel with more food and water. This time, the angel warns him that he is about to embark on a new journey. So he better prepare himself for the tasks that lay ahead. After his second meal, he gets up and departs on a 42-day or a 40-day journey to the mountain Horeb. This is the same mountain where God's messenger called to Moses from a burning bush, and where Moses fasted for 40 days and nights in preparation for receiving the tablets of the covenant from God. Earlier, Elijah was in a very dark place, feeling like he was ready to give up on life. But now, God shows him that God has another plan for his life. Have you ever felt that you were at the end of the road with no way to move forward? I think many of us experience such moments in our lives when we feel alone, exhausted, and ready to quit. We can feel isolated even in the midst of a crowd when no one seems to understand or support us. When we experience a difficult situation where we find no way we can get out of it, and when all we see in front of us is further suffering, we may think of giving up. In times like this, when all hope seems lost, it may be worthwhile to reflect on the story of Elijah and how he made it through his darkest moment in his life. First, we see Elijah found a place to rest. Granted, he was chased into the wilderness, but he eventually found a broom tree that gave him shelter. Likewise, we need to find a place of rest in our moments of despair. It may be in the form of a vacation or a staycation, or it could be a retreat center or a treatment facility where we can get away from the negative influences that have been dragging us down. Rest is vital to recovery and often helps us change our perspectives as our minds are refreshed. Finding a safe place to rest may even be a challenge in itself, but it's the first step we see in Elijah's story. Next, we see how Elijah was provided nourishment by the angel. He was given food and water, which not only enabled him to survive, but he was also given an extra portion, which gave him greater strength for the upcoming challenges. In the same way, we need to consume those things that are good for our minds, bodies, and souls, so that we can be strengthened for whatever comes up next. Our nourishment comes in different forms, and food and drink is just one kind. We also need encouragement that motivates and inspires us just as the angel urged Elijah to be prepared for something big coming up. And we need nourishment for our souls, which comes from God, as we foster our relationship with God. Giving attention to the kind of nourishment we are consuming will make a big difference in how we discover our way to move forward in 
to a place of home. Finally, we need a direction. God had a plan to send Elijah to Horeb, and God has a plan for us as well. Although we may not see a way, to, a way out of our situation, God will always have a plan for moving us out of the most difficult predicaments that we find ourselves in. Our part is to have faith in God and walk in the path that we, that we discern God has given us. By opening our hearts to the pool of the Spirit and our minds to new possibilities that God lays out before us, we will find new options that we had never even dreamed of. This is what happened to Elijah. After journeying to Mount Horeb for 40 days, he found a cave where he spent the night. While sitting in the cave, God spoke to Elijah and told him to prepare to step out because God was about to pass by. Elijah stood up and witnessed violent winds that split the rocks, but God was not in the wind. After that, there was a mighty earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a huge fire, but God was not in the fire. After the fire, it was a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard the silence, he covered his face and stepped toward the mouth of the cave to witness God passing by in that silence. God gave Elijah further instructions on Mount Horeb to anoint kings and to anoint Elisha as his replacement. Again, Elijah faithfully fulfilled all the tasks given to him, and Elisha devotedly followed him to the very end. When it came time for Elijah to depart the earth, he journeyed to several towns with Elisha at his side. According to the biblical narrative, a chariot and horses of fire separated the two of them as Elijah was swept up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen on the ground, and he carried on the works of God's mightiest prophet. In the end, Elijah was considered better than his ancestors was, because he had been described as being taken from the earth without experiencing death. Remember the story of Elijah when you feel like you can't move forward in life. He, too, had that experience, but he discovered God had much more in store for him than he expected. Through rest, nourishment, and faith, Elijah was able to find God's new direction for his life. In the same way, we can find a way out of that most hopeless situation in our own lives. Through the grace of Christ, we are forgiven for our mistakes, and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can discern the plan that God has for each one of us to help bring about God's kingdom here on earth. And who knows? You might even be tasked with serving as someone else's angel in the midst of your greatest moment of need. Amen.